Hello, and welcome to the Granta podcast. My name's Anne Meadows, and today I'll be talking to the author Hiromi Kawakami with translation from Asa Yoneda. Hiromi is a Japanese novelist, haiku poet, literary critic, and essayist whose work has been translated into many languages. Her novel Sensei no Kaban, published in English by Portobello Books as Strange Weather in Tokyo, was recently shortlisted for the Independent Foreign Fiction Prize. Here, we talk about her essay for Granta 127 Japan, The Presence of Death, and the influence of Gabrielle Garcia Marquez. Hiromi Kawakami, thank you for being here today, and thank you, Asa Yoneda, for interpreting. Hiromi, in your essay, Blue Moon, which is in uh, the new issue of Granta, Granta Japan, you were told by your doctor that the hospital has found a growth on your pancreas and that there is only a, a 10% probability that the tumour is not malignant um, and a 10% probability, if it is malignant, that you will survive. Um, obviously, you're still here with us today, for which we're very grateful. Um, but I wondered if you could talk about the presence of death in this piece and about the idea of probability. Well, my health wasn't in question. I never really thought about death or mortality. But um, coming to terms with uh, this diagnosis or the probability of this diagnosis, um, I realized that medically speaking, death can always be thought of um, not as a certainty but as a probability. Um, looking back, I never. I never was aware of feeling that close to death, but actually, if you think about it, um, just living every day, there is always a very small, but um, a definitely existing chance of death, whatever you're doing, wherever you are. So at the same time as the certainty of death, which will eventually come to us all, daily life is still fraught with this small, but nonetheless present possibility of death. Blue Moon is as well as being about death, an essay about translation, and as we are conducting this interview in translation, I thought it would be appropriate to ask you to uh, please read to us from your piece in Granted Japan, Blue Moon. I walk through the snowy streets and reach the book calf. I am going to meet with a Russian haiku circle. The woman who is to interpret for me has arrived well ahead of schedule, and she is sitting in a corner of the calf on the topmost floor of the building. Haiku have kigo, season words, which say something about the sky, the breeze, the birds, the insects, the plants, the moon and the stars in a given season. What kind of season words, I wonder, will Russians use when they compose haiku? Soon people arrive in twos and threes, and the meeting starts. Japanese is put into Russian, Russian is put into Japanese. The surface meanings come across fine, but I'm not sure about the nuances. The subtle shades of words are intimate to the culture that uses them. Feeling doubtful that anyone can align the nuances in one language with the nuances in the other, with two languages that are so vastly different, and in such a short time, I watch as the interpreter puts Russian into Japanese and Japanese into Russian. All translation is mistranslation, says Motoyuki Shibata, a translator and scholar of American literature whom I trust. He says this is a kind of joke, I know, but there's a truth to it too. The interpreter translates a haiku from Russian into Japanese for me. 
粉雪が降っている。亡くなった兄弟の服をもらった。Powdery snow is falling. I received a coat from my dead brother. The person who composed the haiku is sitting in front of me, a man, probably in his sixties. I tried to make this into a Japanese haiku. Powdery snow, receiving my dead brother's coat. The man is startled and stares at me. Several more Russian haiku are presented, and we each give our reactions. Words such fragile, small things. I wonder if the man too is facing the possibility of death. Words, life, so very fragile, so small and insignificant. I realize I am probably being sentimental. In the beginning, we are cells with only half a set of chromosomes and with no distinguishing characteristics. At some point, we become human beings, then we return to being nothing at all. What is there to surprise us in that? The meeting comes to an end, and the man who composed the haiku about the powdery snow comes up and reaches for my hand. He shakes it, squeezes it tightly. I didn't know anything about Japanese people, but today, meeting you, I knew Japanese people for the first time. I am happy. The interpreter tells me in Japanese what the man said in Russian. The subtler shades of meaning are beyond me. The man smiles. His eyes are grey. What kind of person was your brother? I ask. He was a good guy, he replies. On sleepless nights, I remember the man's grey eyes. Great, thank you. At an event at the、uh, Free Word Centre, which you spoke at last night, Um, the conversation turned to, to translation and to mistranslation. And you said something which really struck me. You said that、um, even when people are speaking the same language and they're from the same culture, that there are things that are lost in translation. And this reminded me of a passage in、uh, The Unbearable Lightness of Being, where Milan Kundra talks about two lovers, and he says that. Although they had a clear understanding of the logical meaning of the words they exchanged, they failed to hear the semantic susurras of the river flowing through them. And I was wondering if you could talk more about this,、uh, this gap in communication between people, even when the language is the same. As the Kundera report suggests, words carry the history of the, the people that use them.、Um, I'm not just talking about、um, the entire language communities、um, that use a particular language. Even within Japanese, for example, if you、um, say the sentence, which is the usual way of saying I love you or the equivalent, the meaning of that phrase. Can be completely different depending on the history and the life experience of the person saying it. So, and I think that is precisely what Kendura is talking about with the Susurus. And sometimes communication succeeds and sometimes it fails, and I think that that is the magic of words and language. Hiromi,、uh, you have said that the late Colombian author. Gabriel García Márquez was one of your inspirations for becoming a writer.、Um, and I was wondering if you could tell us more about his influence、uh, on your work. I first came across García Márquez before I started writing, at a time when I wanted to be a writer but hadn't started yet. 
and I desperately wanted to be influenced by him to write something like A Hundred Years of Solitude. And I tried and tried, but eventually there was a despair that it was impossible for me to be influenced by him and produce something like that. The reason he was able to write that novel was because the piece was formed out of his personal history and the, and the history of the place that formed him. And so, um, and because it's the spirit of his writing that I love, um, although it might appear that I haven't really taken on much of an influence from him in my own writing, I think that spirit exists in a transformed but palpable way in my own writing. Hiromi, in 2011, after the Tohoku earthquake and the subsequent um, meltdown of the Fukushima nuclear power plant, you rewrote one of your earlier published stories, a story called God Bless You, which you had written initially in 1993, and um, you updated the setting of the story to uh, a radiated Japan. Your essay in, in Granta's Japan issue also mentions the Fukushima disaster um, in passing. And I wondered if you could talk about how your fiction um, has tackled Fukushima and what your own feelings were when you chose to, re to rewrite God Bless You. I wrote God Bless You one week after the earthquake struck. Um, in Fukushima, the reactor had already um, caused a meltdown and at the time there was no end in sight uh, to the nuclear aspect of the disaster. The possibility loomed large, even in Tokyo where I lived, that um, the whole area would become irradiated. So I wrote this um, not as something to do with a far-off disaster in Tohoku but as something that was directly about something that had direct consequences on my life in Tokyo. The whole disaster had a similar influence on my writing as the illness which I talk about in Blue Moon. Um, it made me think more about death, not in a kind of emotional death is horrible or I welcome death kind of way, but just as an awareness of its existence, of my mortality. Since then, whenever I think of things, there is that awareness that is with me, um, even as I write. And it's impossible for me to analyse how that expresses itself in my own work. But mortality makes up a big part of the spirit that's present in me while I write. And perhaps it comes out in numerous tiny pieces scattered throughout my writing. Your novel Sensei no Kaban um, has just been published last year in English as Strange Weather in Tokyo, mm -hmm. and it's currently on the shortlist for the Independent Foreign Fiction Prize. The novel was first published in Japan in 2001. How does it feel to see it shortlisted for a British prize all these years later? It's as if a child of mine who's, who grew up and left home came back to visit me with their partner, girlfriend or boyfriend in tow. <laughs> <laughs>
That's a good feeling. Yeah? It's <laughs> 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 very good feeling. And a little bit hazkashi. <laughs> and also a little bit bashful. Oh, so I want to ask you um, one last question, and it's about uh, it's about Granted Japan and um, the project as a whole. Uh, Granted Japan exists simultaneously in, in two languages, um, with half the pieces are Japanese and translated into English, and half the pieces are not Japanese and have been translated into Japanese. Um, for the Japanese edition. So it, it exists simultaneously, these two books, um, which are the same, but not the same. And I was struck uh, when you were speaking yesterday at the event that there's something uh, very beautiful to me about this, this idea that there are two, two languages looking at one another and the idea that the Granta Japan issue I read and the Granta Japan issue you read are going to be different but also talking to each other um, and I wondered how you felt about that dialogue This is my first time in the UK and it has made me so happy over the last few days to meet so many different people and of course, we don't get to know each other very deeply, but just to meet and get to know people, every, each one of whom is different from me. Most of the writers in this issue of Granta, I was aware of the writers working in Japanese, but most of the ones writing in English I hadn't heard of before. And so um, this is a similar kind of emotion um, to have this opportunity to read and get to know these other writers I just find so exciting and it makes me very happy. Hiromi Kawakami, thank you very much for joining us today um, and Asa, thank you very much for interpreting so wonderfully. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm.